Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from Neo Technology, and uh, today I'm recording another episode for our Grafistania podcast, and I'm being joined by Daniel Himmelstein from uh, University of Pennsylvania. You're a postdoc fellow there, right, Daniel? That is true. Just got my PhD Fantastic. on San Francisco, and then I moved east to Philadelphia. Fantastic. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, Daniel, and then, you know, your work and your relationship to the wonderful world of graphs? Okay, so I guess I could introduce myself with my Twitter description, which is Digital Craftsman of the Biodata Revolution. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what I really do is I'm a scientist uh, working on integrating a lot of medical data and making predictions about biology and disease. So uh, it's an exciting time because there's so much data that's becoming available and we need ways to organize and store that data and, and learn from it. Um, and that's where Neo4j has filled the gap wow. for so us. How did you get into the world of Neo4j? You know, how did you get to know us? Yeah, so I work with what I call HetNets. And a HetNet I define as a network with multiple node relationship types. And when I started doing this research uh, about four or five years ago, I looked at Neo4j a little bit, but it, it didn't quite suit my needs then. I don't think Cypher was um, mature at that point, which is a query language. Yep. And so I wrote a little package in Python uh, to work with graphs with multiple types of relationships because a lot of the built-in like Python packages or, or more mature packages didn't really do a good job representing types on a network. Okay. So that's how I got um, interested in it. And then several years down the road, I, I reevaluated Neo4j and I so this will solve a lot of the problems we were having. It'll take a huge uh, development burden off of our shoulders and we're going to be part of this great ecosystem. So, I think you, yeah, what, you, you met you met uh, some of our people at, at a meetup in uh, San Francisco, right? Uh, Nicole White and, and those types of people, right? That's right. It was a fun meetup, uh, and it just really clicked with me because Nicole was going over the basic concepts, like how each relationship has a type, each node has one or more labels. Uh, edges are directed and it's like wow this is what we need this is a database for het nets even though I don't think anyone I asked Nicole do you, do you know the term het net and she didn't um, I think in Neo4j speak you call it a property graph yes yeah well I mean a het net in you know I'm from Belgium and my mother tongue is uh, is Dutch and hetnet means the net. <laughs> <laughs> so het is the is the uh, is the yeah, how do you say it? You know, it's the equivalent of the. Uh, so that's that's a bit funny in my language, but um, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly the net. Um, so uh, can you tell us a little bit more about it? You know, why is it such a good good fit for uh, hetnets? You 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 described it in the in your graph gists, and you made a public instance of Neo4j available, which I'll obviously linked to from uh, from the podcast but you know why, why is it such a good fit uh, Daniel yeah so I guess to answer that I'll tell you a little bit more about what we're doing we're trying to encode as much of 
uh, the knowledge produced by biomedical research in the past 50 years as possible. So we take data for millions of medical and scientific studies and we condense it into a network. Uh, and traditionally people have done this, but they've done it with a single type of node and single type of relationship. So for example, people would make networks with genes and they would uh, connect the genes if they interacted inside of a cell. Uh, but obviously biology is very complex. And given that complexity, it helps to model it with the actual diversity of types that uh, are involved in health and disease. Can you give so, me an example of the different types of uh, interactions? Yeah. Uh, so what we've created is something we call HedioNet. Uh, version 1.0 has 11 different types of nodes and 24 types of relationships. So what these would be would be like a compound or a drug. So that's something like aspirin. Then we have diseases. So a disease would be multiple sclerosis, diabetes, etc. We have the symptoms of diseases. We have the side effects of diseases. And those are all node types. Mm -hmm. But then, then we'll have relationships. So for example, the compound is known to cause different side effects. And that's information that's actually extracted from the drug labels or the little package you'd get on the inside of, of your medication when you pick it up from the pharmacy. Absolutely, yeah. uh, and then of course we have genes. So in the past decade, there's been a lot of research on how different compounds affect genes in your body. Does giving someone a, a drug or compound make more or less of a given gene. So we have that type of relationship. Um, we also have a relationship for which genes does the compound target in the body. So uh, how were the compounds designed to act? So, so you model all this information in, in a graph, in, in, a, in a property graph, in a head net. And, and, and what, what are the types of questions that you want to ask of that? then you know is it, is it about drug interaction or is it about new treatment paradigms or what, what what's the what's the, the end goal there yeah so the question that we've been asking most recently is can we systematically learn why drugs work uh, so traditionally drug development is often very serendipitous so people will observe that a drug has a certain effect uh, and oftentimes a lot of the main pharmaceutical therapies, it's not entirely known why they work, just that they were observed to have a positive effect on a disease. Uh, and traditional pharmacology, when actually looking at why compounds work, has or why drugs work, has done it on a single drug disease level. So they look at a single therapy and try to understand why it works. But we're looking for patterns across all drugs that work. So from a machine learning perspective, uh, what makes compound disease pairs that actually are efficacious, uh, what makes them different from non-efficacious compound disease pairs? Wow, that sounds like there's a, there could be a lot of potential there. You know, like a lot of new drugs that could be uh, repurposed or, or you know, new, new, new applications. Is that what you're looking for? Totally. So. The uh, end result of our algorithm is we make about 200,000 predictions, and each one of those predictions is for a compound disease pair, and we 
give a probability, we think that that compound disease pair represents a treatment. So uh, if you're interested, you can go to our website and you can browse by a compound or disease and see all the predictions. And actually what's cool is that when you have a specific prediction you're interested in, you can click on it and it takes you to a guide in our public Neo4j browser. So you can see what parts of the network contribute to that prediction, the specific network paths that we think provide evidence or support that a drug treats a disease. I've seen that. I thought that was so well done. Uh, congratulations on that. Really, 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 really cool, actually. So, so this this sounds like a like a a mountain of gold, you know? Is, is there is this all in the public domain, or is this uh, just academic research, or does it have business applications as well? Yeah. So we're part of an open science movement where uh, we release all the code for what we do under open source licenses. We release all the data as openly as possible. So everything, if possible, is put into the public domain. And we're really looking to get people to use the, the research we make. It's fine if they profit off of it, that would be great. We just wanna produce something that people find useful, I guess, because I'm a publicly funded scientist. I get to do what I want and make it available for free. I think that's is, just so admirable. I really, really applaud that for you. I mean. You, we were talking about it earlier, right? So this podcast is going to be published under a Creative Commons license as well, because you know, that's 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 how you want to publish your work. I, I really applaud that. That's uh, fantastic. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, I guess <laughs> it may just be a selfish thing that I like when my work is reused. <laughs> no, I, mean, but... I think it's, uh, you know, especially in, in in the type of data that you're dealing with and this type of research that you're doing. I mean, it's this could save lives, right? It's uh, it's it's you're you're not you're not you know. I think it's important that people do stuff like that. And congratulate congratulate you on that. Really. Thanks. Yeah. Well, so I've also experienced from both sides because we had a take data from about 30 different resources to integrate it into HedioNet. Uh, and a lot of them would have licenses, even though they were publicly funded academic research projects that made it really hard to integrate the data. So that taught me the hard way, the importance of having permissible open licenses. Um, so let's let's talk about the future, Daniel. You know, where where is this going? You know, what what, what are your plans uh, with Grouse and with Neo4j? You know, where, where where do you want to take this? Yeah. So right now, HedioNet has about 2.5 million edges relationships, and I'd like to not only grow that number but uh, start to get more meaningful edges. So I think we can grow the network quite a bit and we can look at new applications. So we were predicting whether a compound treats a disease, but we could also predict, uh, say, new side effects of compounds, or um, we could predict, or we could start to, to get a more nuanced algorithm. Uh, so part of my work is developing algorithms on these het nets. Uh, so that's also of interest. As far as Neo4j goes, I've been really excited about the guide technology. So you briefly mentioned that, but we have this public Neo4j instance, which lets anyone uh, just go to the URL, which is neo4j.het, which is het.io, and then immediately see a Neo4j browser with our uh, network in it. 
and we have guides which are like a little kind of web page or or HTML tutorial that just shows up naturally in the browser and uh, can, can inform you about the network. So I think that really will help like biologists and pharmacologists interact with our network to have these guides. Great. Well, I'll put some links to, to this uh, uh, with the podcast tran- transcription, right? So hopefully uh, you'll, you'll, you'll get some people visiting it. And I really, I really thought it was very impressive what you did there. And, uh, you know, much more impressive than I did a, a, a beer guide. Uh, ah, I think I've seen that, yeah. <laughs> but, which is a lot less interesting. But, you know, that's about, that's the only thing I know anything about. So <laughs> that's... I, I did see on one of the previous podcasts podcasts i think yeah. it was a network of movies and yeah. it was like date night two people would put in the movies they like and would find an intermediate movie yeah, yeah, yeah. that was cool so. yeah that's the that's the that's actually that got a webby award recently and uh, the guys from um uh oh, i forget the name uh ben ben nussbaum uh, was the guy that i interviewed about it uh they're they're on the on the west coast um Cool. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for coming online and doing this interview with me. I'm, 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 I wish you best of luck with all your research and, and hopefully, uh, you know, it'll lead to lots of new treatments and, and new interesting research. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. And I uh, hope to meet you someday at one of the GraphConnect conferences, perhaps. Right? Yeah, totally. Oh, I'm great. excited. Um, it, yeah, I think the, the whole community is developing so quickly. Like. We use Docker to deploy our cloud instance, and the Neo4j support there is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a really fast-moving moving project, so totally it's exciting. Is. Great. Thank you so much. want to keep this uh, digestible and short, so I'm going to wrap up here, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Toodaloo. <laughs> Toodaloo. <good>. Exactly. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>